0: Thanks for tuning into the ES First Podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home those of you who do not know, my name is Josh. I am the youth pastor here at ES First. And if this is your first time here, guess what? It's my first time here too. I have never preached on a Sunday morning live and in person like this. Uh, I've done online sermons. I've given talks. I've done announcements. I've done toilet cleaning. I've done chair moving. I've done basically everything other than what I'm doing right now. So I hope you're as excited as I am. Uh, I know I've been... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I need that like the whole time. Just keep that same energy. So I'm a little bit nervous, but I'm also very, very excited to be here. I do not take this position lightly. If you guys know anything about the blocks and the staff here at Yes First, I've had the opportunity to kind of be around them and and inside of the loop for the last couple of years. And you really get to see how much they care about these moments. They think and pray and consider and talk and meet and for hours and hours and hours all week about these moments right here. Because this is very important. Right here, what we're doing is we're refueling. We are reloading to engage the world with what we have, which is hope, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? When we come into this building and and we come into these four walls, we get to reconvene and we get to reimagine and re-engage and take that out. And so we are actually the light of the world, Jesus says. We're the salt of the earth, right? And so this is not a light moment. I might have blonde hair and pink shoelaces, but I don't take this moment very lightly. This is very important to me and the staff at ES First and the Block family. So thank you again for being a part of this and letting me be a part of your Sunday morning. God has actually set his church up as the plan A, I always tell the youth group, you are God's plan A. We are God's plan A to bring the gospel to a lost world. And there is no plan B. As powerful as God is, he can take and make everybody saved. He can put everybody in heaven right now in the blink of an eye, right? But what he does is he chooses to work through people like me, people like you, broken people, who come here on Sunday morning to to take the gospel out. So, at ES First, we like to preach through the books of the Bible, (laughs) <laughs> I've always wanted to say that. Yeah, he is first. We preach through the books of the Bible, and right now we are in the book of John. The book of John is one of God's four Gospels in the Bible. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called, those three Gospels are called the Synoptic Gospels, which just means they have kind of the same story from different perspectives. And my wife, Ashley, is like a huge true crime fan. For whatever reason, I don't know, we need to, we might all have to just have like a prayer circle today after church to pray for, Uh, but she, no, I'm just kidding. She loves true crime, nutty over it. And in those true crime shows, you see this kind of common thread of they always want different Witnesses or different perspectives, right? Because the more perspectives that they have, the more complete story they can come up with, right? If they have just one person, you have to just take one person's word. But if you have multiple people, you can kind of build a full story off of that. And so that's kind of what these gospels are. Is it's a, we kind of get it from a different perspective from three different people, and we get a fuller story because of it, right? There's things that maybe would have been left out if we didn't get it from Matthew, or maybe things were said differently because Luke was writing it to a different group of people or something like that. We get a complete story because of the different perspectives. And the best way that I've heard Brandon explain it, of the reason why we kind of preach through the books of the Bible, is it's like eating vegetables. If you're like me and you grew up with like a horrible, horrible sweet tooth, you know, like Brandon would take us out for like youth group stuff when I was like 13, 14 years old. And everywhere we would go, I mean, it wouldn't matter if it was a Mexican restaurant, an Italian restaurant, a Japanese restaurant. We went all over the place in Kansas City. And everywhere I would go, I would get whatever Brandon got, and I would say, no vegetables. No vegetables, which I hated vegetables. I've kind of grown out of that, thank God, in the last two or three years. uh, I've kind of grown into eating vegetables because of, out of necessity, not out of desire, but... uh, (laughs) I have found out something as I kind of got older. Those habits I learned of not eating vegetables, I was lacking like certain vitamins and minerals, right? I was deficient in areas in my life physically because of not eating those vegetables, right? And if we take the Bible and we pick and choose, which I'm not throwing shade on anybody, if we pick and choose the scriptures that we like or the scriptures that we want, we begin to lack... Certain spiritual minerals and vitamins that God has placed for us to grow fully. And so then when you get 30, 40 years old, you're like, oh my goodness, like uh, there's something in the back part right here because I didn't eat my, my Brussels sprouts that my mom put on my plate when I was six years old. right? You learn a habit that now you don't like that and spiritually you grow deficient. And so what we're doing here at ES First is we're trying to train habits for ourselves and for people, for you guys, for everybody, train these habits of eating these vegetables to become full. Psalms 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. In Psalms 34, it says, fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. It's actually God's desire for us to lack nothing to be full, to be fulfilled. And the way that we do that is by reading his word fully. In John 6, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Our kids in the youth group, I always tell them, like, when you get to the end of something that promises fulfillment, whether it's a relationship Or an addiction. I mean, you can go down the list of stuff that promises fulfillment, fame, you know, money, all these things. You get to the end of it, and it's almost like you ate like a bag of potato chips right before bed. You know what I'm talking about? I can slam some Doritos. You get like the full size Dorito bag, I can slam that booger. But at the end of it, I'm still hungry. You know what I'm talking about? You're still like, man, I could. You just, you're just. you 2,000 calories deep. You just had a whole day's worth of food. You're still like, man, I could still probably eat a little something, something, right? But when you have like 800 calories of a steak and potato, you're like, man, I'm full. You know, I got my little green beans I'm munching on. Like, I can't eat any more. And that's kind of like how it is when you read the Bible full, you get fulfilled through the whole thing, right? So we go through the Bible with intentions of being filled, but filled to the fullest, Not just a sweet treat before bed, but nourishment that will fulfill our deepest hungers. So with all that being said, like I said, we are in the book of John. If this is your first week, or maybe you're back for the first time in a while, we are just kind of, as Brandon said last week dabbling in, we're just kind of testing the waters of John, right? We're in John 3 this week, we're just kind of starting out, and so John has kind of quickly become one of my favorite disciples. I have a lot of favorite people in the Bible, and John is like very, very quickly climbing the list of people throughout this study, just because we get to see him from different perspectives and everything like that. But John, one of my favorite things about John, pastor would always say he was the first disciple to reach the tomb. Do you know how people know that John was the first disciple to reach the tomb? Because in his book that he wrote, he wrote that he beat Peter to the tomb. That's the type of guy John is. He was a son of thunder. Then he was John the beloved. And now he's the fastest disciple. He wants to make sure everybody knows... I beat him to the tomb, actually, just to let you know. We both started at the same time, and I was there first. That's my kind of guy. I feel like that would be me and Brandon. Like, if me and Brandon were writing our Gospels, Brandon would be like, yeah, I'm way smarter, way cooler, way taller, way better. I'd be like, yeah, but I beat him to the tomb. So, we just... The four Gospels. There's three that kind of go over what Jesus did. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But John kind of goes through who Jesus was, and who he can be for our lives. So, in John 3, we are kind of met with this encounter that's just so odd to me. Like when I read it, it's different. It's different than I've ever seen interacting before, especially because a Pharisee's involved. Like Pharisee's almost like a cuss word when you've been in church long enough, but they were actually pretty good guys. But like, so Jesus kind of interacts with Pharisee and it gets really, really weird, really quick. And Brandon just so lovingly gave me this week. He was like two or three months ago. He's like, I'm going to give you John three. And I was like, Oh, yeah, I know John 3 off the top of my head like you do. That makes sense. Yeah, no problem. He's like, it's the story of Nicodemus. I'm like, oh, yeah, duh, of course. Who who doesn't know the story of Nicodemus by heart? Like, we all know that. Can you remind me again <clears throat> of what happens in that one? So He was like, it should be pretty easy. You know, it's not a big deal. And then Jesus is talking about, like, being born again. Nicodemus is, like, entering your mother's womb for the second time. I'm like, whoa. Wait a second, what's this guy talking about? So we're going to dive right into that, and we're going to approach this step by step, okay? So John 3, 1 through 15 says this. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, "Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again." I love how like Nicodemus comes to Jesus and gives him this huge compliment. Like, "Man, we know that you're you're from God. You're like you're so cool. There's no way you couldn't be from God. Look at all the signs you're performing." Jesus is like, "You need to be born again." whoa, Jesus, like, can't you can't give him like a thank you off the rip. Like This guy's like trying to compliment you. Jesus just immediately flips the script. You need to be born again, brother. So how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Now, A lot of times we read this verse and we kind of associate this with baptism. You have to be born of water, baptized, and born of the Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit. What a lot of people think that he's saying is that he's talking about like actual natural birth. Because he even, he asks him, you enter your mother's womb again for the second time? He's like, no, bro, what in the world? Like, Jesus is like, pump the brakes, weirdo. Like, we ain't talking about that, dog. He's like, talking about natural birth, but then also being born of the Spirit, right? Being born of water and of Spirit. Because then he goes on to say, flesh gives birth to flesh. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying, you must be born again. Then he says, "'The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be?' Nicodemus asked. And then Jesus said, "'You are Israel's teacher, and you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony.'" I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who has come from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in Him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these moments. Thank you so much for this time that we get to spit and we get to consider you and we get to set our hearts and our minds on you, God. I pray that through this next 15 minutes, God, that you would allow your spirit to come through, that they would hear you and your words on their heart, not mine. God, that you, they wouldn't even see me or hear me, God, but they would see you and realize you in a new and an exciting way. And it's in your son's name that we pray, amen. amen. One of my favorite things about children is watching them play. You'd see like a kid get like one of those like balloon swords, and they're like geeked, right? Like they're like sing, 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 sing. You know, like they're going crazy. Like Avery will like should like, give you the frost hands? And you're like have to oh you like statue. Like watching Caleb Shepherd play with like Judah and Creston, and just like getting kicked and like pulled around, and they're like doing all their super moves on him. And there and Caleb's like just going along with it. Like I love watching that, right? Like when me and my brother were kids, we were like. WWE fanatics, okay? Now, when we were kids, like, we were pretty poor, really poor. And so we would, like, just come up with our own ways of playing. Now, my brother was, like, five years older than me, but he's always been shorter than me, like, for our whole lives, right? So I'm, like, six or seven years old. He's, like, 13 years old. I'm, like, way taller than him, real scrawny, lanky. My brother's, like, this short little chicken nugget. Just trying to set the scene for you so you kind of understand what's going on. So we would, like, wrestle around and we would like move all of our furniture in our living room you know and like get it all popping and get get going you know we'd like grapple each other and and like for, for a little bit we got into like this like sumo wrestling for whatever reason. So we, like, these two little scrawny, lanky kids, we would, like, take all of our clothes off, roll our underwear up, make, like, little thongs out of them, and then, like, do, like, the whole, you know, like, I'm, like, seventy. you know, I'm, like, barely any weight at all. Just, like, this scrawny little lanky kid, like, looking like a spider, probably, walking around our house. And we would, like, come and try to wrestle each other and push each other out of the circle. It's like, just the foolishness that you can ever imagine. And it's almost like when kids are playing like that, they can see something that you can't. You know what I'm talking about? Like they almost have vision for something that you don't. Sometimes you sit back and like, I don't know what age you lose it at, but you like almost sit back and look at it and and you're like, what do they see that I don't? What's in this room that I don't see? What's in this room that I can't feel that they can feel? Why is Avery literally feel like she's shooting ice out of her hand and I'm just like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, why is that, right? Why do they feel something that I don't? And it almost... It's like they're looking at it through different eyes. And in this scripture, you have to kind of almost put on a different set of eyes. You almost have to kind of look at it from a different point of view than what you would imagine. What you, could, you have to go beyond what you could think, almost, of what God is trying to say. I think he's talking about two very important things. One thing I think he is talking about is salvation. He says you must be born again. But the thing is, is with Pharisees, like, they weren't all bad guys, right? They believed in God. They worshiped God. They believed in Scripture. They attended church faithfully, very faithfully. They prayed. They read their Bible. They, as, like, simple as this is for you guys, because I know you guys have all done this, they even memorized the first five books of the Bible. I know you guys did that years ago. I mean, I know that's not a big deal. Like, Genesis, Exodus... You know, the book that we skip when we like, read through the Bible and through a year, Leviticus? You ever, anybody ever just sit down and just get a good book reading of Leviticus? Numbers and Deuteronomy? You guys memorize those five books like us? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what they would do. They even fasted twice a week. One of the requirements to be a Pharisee was you had to fast twice a week. That's two times more than most of these people in the room, right? Like, <laughs> you ever fast two times a week? My goodness, I get to lunch, I'm like, nah, brother, this ain't it, Jesus. I'm going to go ahead and eat. They tithed. All of their income, they tithe. And I even think from this passage, and we'll find out later in John as we kind of go through the book, that Nicodemus believed in Jesus. He comes to Jesus and says, you are from God. But as soon as we hear Pharisee, we write him off. Oh, Nicodemus the Pharisee. Yeah, I know that guy. I know that type. How many times in our lives do we write people off just because of a label? Republican, Democrat, Democrat. I just made like 50% of you guys so mad by saying Republican or Democrat, right? How many of you guys just immediately, like the hair on the back of your neck, just wait a second. I got that little crick back again. Oh my goodness. Jesus tells this man, someone who basically, I'm going to just gonna be real with you, when it comes to self righteousness, is better than any of us. I don't even know the first five books of the Bible by heart. Should I had to look them up to find out the order of them. I'm like, Genesis, Leviticus, no, Exodus. I'm like trying to figure them all out. He's got those boogers memorized, right? And he even tells this man, someone who has essentially every box checked, check, you can go down the list, check, tie, yep, yep, do all that, fast every two times a week. God, I'm fasting, I'm skinny as can be. And he even says to him, You must be born again. You must be born again. I think there are a lot of people who know Jesus, who believe in Jesus. Who, you know, talk to Jesus, who serve Jesus, who worship Jesus, but have never submitted their lives fully to Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? Like they've never fully given it all to him. It says in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons, and in your name, perform many miracles, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Jesus says, many people. If many people are actively engaging in the work of God, prophesying, driving out demons, performing miracles, how many more people just attend church? How many more people? Just attend church on Christmas and Easter. It's not just enough to know Jesus. The demons in the Bible. You go through every book. Like all the times that Jesus came in contact with demons in the Bible. Like they knew who Jesus was. They were like this guy's like the real deal. Like it's not just enough to know who Jesus is. And the power that he has. Even demons do. We need to submit our lives fully to be born again. I think the second thing that Jesus is talking about in this with Nicodemus is power. If you want to see the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. And all throughout the Bible, like Jesus would walk around and he would say, the kingdom of God is drawn near. The kingdom of God is drawn near. The kingdom of God is drawn near. And usually what that would follow is him commissioning somebody. The kingdom of God has come near. And he would be like, Matthew and Andrew, come on with me. The kingdom of God has come near. Come with me. Let's do something. The kingdom of God has come near. Let's go do something now with it. It wasn't just a a passive, let's just sit down and like whatever with it. It was like, let's go and now take this somewhere else. And if you really think about birth, if you think about birth, it's a transition, right? And just like death is a transition. It's this transition of going from one dimension to another. Almost. You've never been to this place before. A baby has never been a baby before. It was in its mother's womb and now it's not. It's absent and now it's present. And it's the same way with death. You're absent and now you are present. It's a transition. You're going into a new dimension, right? And that's kind of what God is kind of talking about with birth. It's a transition. You are going from one dimension to the next. You're going from comfort. A baby is comfortable to discomfort. It's this transition. It's just like in your life when you go from one job to the next. It's this transition. I knew the route to work. I knew the speed limit and where the cops sat and where I could speed and where I couldn't. I knew what time I could get there and be a little bit late. And me and the boss would kind of ha joke about it or whatever. And I'd get away with it every time. I was comfortable. And now I've transitioned into this new position where it's not the same. You're transitioning. It's a new birth. You're going into a new dimension. And sometimes, all of a sudden, when we get into this new transition, when we transition to a new dimension, you notice, like, almost when God gives you this new birth that you, like, the music that you used to listen to doesn't sound the same. Like, it doesn't, it's not as funny or cool anymore. The jokes at the water cooler that used to, like, make you just, like, belly laugh, all of a sudden are, like a little stingy to your ears. You're like, whoa, what did you just say? Like you, and it's in an instant of these transitions, these new birthings in your life. And when you go from comfort, you can control everything around you. And when you go into a new dimension, you almost have to, in every situation, you almost have to trust someone else to take care of you. Like as a baby, you get born, and now there has to be someone there at all times to take care of you. It's just like transitioning into a new job. And if you've never done that job, it's like, holy smokes, Like, what do I do? I've transitioned to this new place where I have no idea what I'm doing. I need somebody to kind of walk me through it. I need somebody to kind of guide me. I need somebody to mentor me. I need somebody to take care of me. I have to trust them that they're going to do what I need them to do. You don't know how to make it in this new world. And the thing is, is with the Bible, it's almost like this seed of conception. When you receive the word of God, it conceives this change in you. I remember the first time I heard Brandon preach about Jesus and there was something in me that started to switch, but it wasn't in an instant. There was this period of me kind of going through this miserable period. And if anybody's ever had a kid, they know, like, when there's conception, there now follows, like, about a nine-month give-or-take period of misery, right, into now a new birth. And that's how it is with the Word of God. There's sometimes, we conceive the Word. God plants this seed in our life, and it conceives this change. But we're going through this pregnancy, almost, I have no power. I don't know what God's talking about with power. I have no joy. I have no peace. But God, there's something in me that wants that now. There's this seed in me that I have to water, that I have to grow, that for some reason I just I can't get enough of you, God. Nothing else satisfies me anymore. And it's not until we fully birth the word of God and submit our lives fully that we receive that power. I know with being married, I'm I'm sure with having a kid, when there's a new person in your life like that, everything changes. There's a waiting period, and then everything changes. There's an engagement, there's a pregnancy, there's this no power, no control, this weird transition, and then everything changes, right? When you welcome somebody else into your life, everything has to change. If it doesn't, it doesn't work. And that's the same way it is with God. When we allow Jesus into our lives and we give our lives fully... Everything has to change. He has to change everything. All of the sudden, we're born again. In Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, it says, Put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God, In true righteousness and holiness. See, I says true righteousness. So often we we seek our own self-righteousness. Just like Nicodemus. And Nicodemus didn't just search it out. Nicodemus had it. Nicodemus was about that self-righteousness life. The dude was set and he was still like, there's a word in me conceived, God, and nothing else is fulfilling it." I can fast eight times a week. And it still won't fulfill the desire that I have because I've seen something new. I'm over here eating Doritos, you know, praying every day, you know, having all this stuff, tithing. I'm doing everything right, God, but I don't have you. Nicodemus felt this longing, this desire to be with God. And the and the thing is, is from like from birth to death, right? These two transitions in our lives, right? We have we have this, you know overarching theme that everybody's going to go through, right? You've got birth, you've got life or death. There's no avoiding it, right? And what Jesus is talking about is this middle period. You need to be born again. But I almost think that the verse shouldn't just say you need to be born again. I think it should say you need to be born again and again and again and again and again. There's certain points in my life where I've reinvented. There's certain points in my life where I've had to turn the other direction multiple times on the same I've gone down the same road and God's like nah dog. Let's keep going. Nope. I think I'm gonna go. No brother We need to go down this. No, I think and God's like no Keep it moving this way right again and again and again being born again and again and again almost like a snake Now I know that's kind of almost cussing too. Sorry, Mike I don't mean to freak you out almost like a snake shedding its skin becoming new and new and new grace is sufficient every single day i have not something new for you every single day god is calling us to new every single day we must be born again every single day waking up with a new set of faith every single day god is calling you out you're in a position maybe where you're in this miserable pregnancy where you've got these dreams and these desires and God's saying, there's more. I've got new for you, move out. And and the thing is, is like before all this technology, before we had rooms with, with epidurals where you'd like, oh, like you're just getting juiced up on, in the name of Jesus, right? Before we had all this stuff, we had air conditioned rooms. We had all, you know, there when they had a baby, it didn't matter where they were. When the water broke, it's time. And some of you right now, If I may say it, it's going to sound a little weird. Your water's breaking. God is stirring something inside of you and there needs to be a new creation, right? Your water is breaking. There's a new birth happening, right? And the reason why God gives us this new birth is for power. There's newness in power. Nicodemus had, Nicodemus was a Jewish ruler. Dude had all the power, had all the money, had everything. Dude was over everybody. And was still like, I need what you have. I need what you've got. Right? That's the position we need to be in. We need to have that power. Not just this empty earthly power, but power from high that Jesus promises us. So just like I talked about from the beginning, you are God's plan A. And there is no plan B. Right? We need to take... God, as soon as you receive Jesus, as soon as you give him, give him your life, he commissions you. It's like, oh, thanks for being my son. Here's a job, right? You get a job whether you wanted it or not. And that's to bring the gospel to everybody. Starting with Jerusalem, people that look like us, talk like us, act like us, people in Samaria, people we don't like. We to bring the gospel to people who think differently than us, who voted differently than us who ask us to wear a mask or don't want us to wear a mask, whatever it is, we have to preach the gospel to them and to the ends of the earth. People that don't even speak the same language as as us. We have to bring the gospel to them. God has given us power for that. I looked it up and Nicodemus' name actually means victory to the people. Victory to the people. He figured it out. Every other Pharisee lost it. They saw Jesus and they saw the power that he offered and and chose their earthly power. They chose the power that they built up for themselves. As opposed to the power that Nicodemus found in Jesus. I want to pray for you guys real quick before we go. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for my friends in this room. God, thank you for the power that you give us. Thank you for the power that you call us to. God, I have friends in this room that maybe have never received you. Maybe they've never even conceived the word in their life. God, maybe for the first time in their life, they're feeling this calling. They're feeling this this pull. They're feeling this, this desire to change and this desire for power, God. If that's you in this room, would you just lift up your hand real quick? Nobody look around. Nobody, nobody looking at anybody thank you thank you god i pray for my room my friends in this room who've lifted their hand that maybe have never seen you maybe have never seen the power that you promise god that you want to bestow out to them thank you jesus thank you jesus maybe you're also in this room and you've received that word you've conceived this 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 word in your life but you're, you're missing that, that extra ingredient. You haven't fully submitted yet. You know who Jesus is. You follow Jesus. You tithe, you give, you do all, you serve. But you want to know for a fact that you have given your life to Jesus. If you're in that category, raise your hand real quick. I wanna pray for you as well. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your power that you bestow on us. God, we submit our lives fully to you and your calling and your work. God, we believe in you. Forgive us of our sins. And we wanna follow after you. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you give God a big praise today?